Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Well, if you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, we're going to pick up him. Amen. He says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. How many of you want to know the answer to that question? Big question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, I really believe God is going to speak to us today. And this is, I had no idea what they were worshiping on. And Sam had no idea what I'm preaching on today. But how do you know, how many of you love it when the Spirit of God is on this? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense You may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Jesus taught a lot of things. He taught us to follow him, He taught us to be like him. One thing, if you ever wonder what the will of God is in your life, Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do the things that I'm doing. Some of us want a a different answer. And I want to talk today about actually what it means to really follow Jesus and to do things with our heart. You see, many of us are very good at coming to church. We can come here, we can get ready on a morning and get dressed into our Best Sunday best, as my mum used to say when I went to church. Put on your Sunday best. And we come here and we, we come here and we sit and we worship, we listen to the word and then we go. But the truth is this, that Jesus wants so much more of our lives than just attending church. 
And it is. It's so much bigger than that. And in some places, some people are happy just to sit and actually be entertained. But we're not here to entertain anyone. In fact, when we worship God this morning, we're not here to entertain anyone. You're here to worship him. It's the only time that you give back to God. When you worship him, you give him everything you are. Some people come think it's all about entertainment. What's the songs today? I don't like that song. I didn't really enjoy the worship today. I'm not sure about that one. I'll tell you the best, the, some of the best worship times I've had is when we just, we, sometimes when everything's stripped away and we focus on Jesus. When we come here, we give everything we are. But listen to me, when you leave this place, there's something to do. There is work to do for the kingdom of God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's interesting, this law expert asked this question. It's like this religious person, this, this person wants to find out, what must I do? I've read the law, I understand. I just, I just want a list of rules. How many of you sometimes, I'm like this, I want to have a list of things I tick off. When I've ticked off and I know I've fulfilled them, I feel happy. The thing is that being a Christian doesn't work like that. You do not get a list where you're going to tick all the results of everything you've done and then you're happy. You see, Jesus doesn't want you to fulfill and tick lists. He wants to give your heart to him, to follow him in spirit and truth into everything he has for you. The law expert answered to Jesus when he, he said, how do you read it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The law expert then asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He didn't really understand that bit. You know, after giving my life to Jesus many years ago, I loved coming to church. I loved to worship God. I loved to be in the presence of God. I couldn't get to enough meetings. I just loved to be with Jesus. I I hope you feel the same. You see, some people, when we've met them in Malta, have been saying to us, you know, I don't like going to church. I'm, I'm not surprised in some of the places I've been to. But they say, I don't like going to church. And, uh, you know, church is boring. The thing is this, that when you give your life to Jesus, you worship him in spirit and truth. You want to get into the presence of the Lord. You want to worship him. It's not about just finding him in a building. We want to gather together and meet together to worship Jesus. And when I, I got saved... You know, I love to find knowledge and I love to learn lots of things about God. I love to listen to the teaching. I couldn't wait for every week, every Sunday. And I'd be listening and reading so many books, trying to find out knowledge, trying to find out things. But the truth is this, sometimes I missed missed the objective is that actually I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and actually love other people. You see, we're so good sometimes that some of us can tick the boxes of coming to church, learning the knowledge, loving God with all our hearts, but actually we don't love people. You see, Jesus wants us to love people. Actually, loving people is an outcome of this. It says if we can learn to receive God's love, understand his love for us, then we will love people. And some people try and find it hard. I find it hard sometimes, you say, to love people when they do this to me and they do this to me. But do you know the the major breakthrough we'll have in this church is not just by giving our hearts, but it's actually when when we understand the love of God, the grace of God that has changed us, restored us, renewed us, you will love people. Sometimes I have to put on... The, the glasses that show me the love and compassion that Jesus has. Because actually, my compassion lasts a millisecond. 
I'm like, I've lost it. And then I just see, you know, Jesus wouldn't do this. He has love and compassion. He sees deeper into the hearts of these people. And do you know, the whole, there's only one way you're going to have that. It's when the Holy Spirit gets hold of your heart. We need to love people. In 1 John 4 verse 19, it says this, We love because he first loved us. When we understand the love he gave, when we understand the grace, we understand the gift. Come on, guys. The gift that we have is unbelievable. I mean, you've got to believe it to receive it, but it is unbelievable. It's, it's just beyond us. And sometimes we forget the gift. We forget what we've been given. We forget, you probably don't understand, even if you're not a Christian, how much is, is given to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved it so much. Even when he looked at us and he saw us sinning and being, being bad and the things we did wrong. He looked at us and said, I don't care what you've done wrong, I still love you. And I sent my son for you. He's free. And when we receive that love, we should understand that we can love others the same. No matter what they've done, no matter who they are. In 1 John 4 verse 20, it goes on to say this. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. That's harsh. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen in their physical eye, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Do you know what? There's not one person you cannot love. No matter what they've done. Some people, if I have this conversation with them on the street, they say, what some of the things that you could, they'll, they'll name things, they'll say, murder, all these things. I say, listen, at the end of the day, there's only one thing that, sep- that, ch- that makes me different from anyone else. That's Jesus, and I'm glad I found him. I don't, it doesn't matter what you've done, what sin you've committed, who you are, whether you've murdered someone or not. Listen to me, we all need a savior. And his love is just beyond Human recognition and understanding. That's why you need the Spirit of God to show you what that love is. Do you know what we need to be asking today? We need to ask the question, what must I do for others in response to eternal life? No, what must I do to inherit this eternal life? What, must, what things can I tick off? No, what must I do for others in response to eternal life. In other words, if he set eternity in your hearts, as Ecclesiastes says, he's done something that is so unique and special, and he puts this thing in your heart. When he does that and you receive this love, you understand now you have eternity with him, with a God the Father who loved you so much, he sent his son. What must I do now for others? I'm charged up inside because I know the love of God lives on the inside of me. Sometimes my love just can't reach you know, the end of the pavement from our house. But Jesus gives us this ability to love others. What must we do for others in response to eternal life? You see, there are several people in this story who have a different response to love and people and how they respond to people. First of all, you've got the robbers. The people who rob this poor person walking down the street. 
You see, what they loved is possessions more than people. It showed their hearts. They hadn't received the love of the Savior. They love possessions more than people. Some of us today can love possessions. Our hearts, our treasures are fixed on treasures and we look to these things. And what they did is they went to rob the person. They, they weren't interested in the life of that person. All they were interested in is possession, possession, materials. Listen, you may say, well, I'm not a robber. I'm not going to do this kind of thing. But the thing is this, the truth is that today our eyes can be fixed on possessions. Our eyes can be fixed on material things. So much so that we love, we, we lose the love of people. We don't love people anymore. We just love the things we have. Next you've got the priest and the Levite. These are the religious ones. I mean, these were supposed to be the ones who showed the real love, you know. But they love positions more than people. You've got the first who love possessions. Now these love the positions more than the people. Because they wanted their positions, their reputation. Everything was on the line if they crossed the road. They didn't want to do this to to mingle with Samaritans. I mean, this was a bad thing. We can't do that. We need to keep our positions as religious people. So some of us today, the enemy will use that. He'll say, I'm going to hold you with possessions so you don't love people as much. Then I'm going to hold you with your positions because you're a religious person. Your reputation would change if you did something. If you lowered yourself and humbled yourself, washed anyone's feet. If you did that, you'll lose your position. People will think different of you. Notice this. Then we get the innkeeper. Oh, you see, the innkeeper looks quite a a good guy, doesn't he? You know, he gives his room for the night for this poor person. Thank God the innkeeper was there and he didn't say there's no room at the inn. He was there. But remember, he still took the money. See, he was not interested just in possessions, but he was interested in profit. Business profit. Some of us today, right now today, the things that have took your heart are not possessions, and materials, the things you've got that you accumulate. Some of us, it may not be your position, but today it may be your profits, your business, the things you focus on in life, the things you look at in life, how much you can make. You see, why didn't the innkeeper say you can have a free room for the night? He was a kind person, but he still looked at profit. But then there's a Samaritan. He loved people more than possessions, positions, or profits. Amen. He loved people. You see, he went across. He went across and helped this person. See, I put this, many people find it easy to love something in life, but a few people find it hard to love someone to life. We can all find it easy to love something. Many of us today, you can say, I love a lot of things. My eyes are fixed on this, and I love this, and I love that. But so many of us find it hard to love someone to life because we're so focused on ourselves. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. Number one today, I want to bring a few points of how we can understand what we need to do. The title of the message is The Love Test. The love test. I want to encourage you today that we need to check our hearts to see if we really do love God. If we do really want to serve him in the way that he calls us to serve him. Not just to have knowledge and understanding, but actually to do the things for him. 
We read earlier, the man was attacked by robbers. He says they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Listen to me today. There are people outside of this place today who are beaten and half dead, and they don't look like it. There are people today, when you go to work tomorrow, who look so good on the outside, they've done such a good job of presenting themselves, that you'd never even think anything was wrong. Do you know, in life, since I've talked to people and I've been, for many years, just encouraging people, I've noticed nothing ever shocks me. Because the thing is, that what happens behind closed doors and in our lives, actually, the truth is, it's happening to lots of people. That's why the church is here. People who are broken. And listen to me today. I want you to understand this, that there are people... Outside of this building, people who you know, you think actually they look like they've got good lives. But actually deep down inside they're beaten. They're rotting inside. You know, I spoke to a a doctor many years ago in this city. He was a, a Christian doctor. And he said to me, he says, most of the time in the day, the majority of the things I deal with are depression. Majority of the cases are depression. People who are asking for medication because they can't cope with life. But these people... On the outside, they look okay. Now listen to me. I'm not putting anyone down for that because people do suffer with these things. It's an illness. But listen to me. This is something that's happening and we can't always sit on the outside. You can't go down the street and look for a miracle just because someone's got a crutch. Because sometimes people in their hearts are broken just as well. And we've got a job to do and that is to go and reach people. Love people to life. People are beaten by life. They're dying in sin. They're dying in sin. You know, my uncle used to work for uh, funeral directors. He used to spend his job making dead people look good and presenting them. He'd tell me story after story of this, of how they would present these bodies, they'd work on the bodies. In fact, I was on holiday recently and I met someone who did that in major catastrophes. I spoke to her for a while and she told me of all the things they'd done in major catastrophes to make bodies look presented well. You see, sometimes we're so good at making death look good. We present death looking good, but actually inside people are dying. And our job with the discernment of the Holy Spirit is to go and reach people, show them the love of God, even if they've not got a crutch. It's to see and spot that people's hearts need healing as well. Number one, we need to acknowledge the need. There is a need for people. You see, the religious men, the ones who knew the knowledge, the ones who looked religious, walked by. So many of us, tomorrow, you can have an opportunity tomorrow, and there's people probably you see, you think, actually, I'm not, I'm going to choose, that person doesn't really need Jesus yet, because they look like they've got their lives together. I'm going to wait until they look really broken, then I'm going to bring the gospel. I know the time, because when they look broken, that's... And what do you know what we do? We mark off people around us every day. We say, that person, if I did that, I'll lose my reputation. So I'm going to hang on. I'm going to wait till they're so broken that actually my reputation won't matter then, because they'll need me. The thing is, God is asking you today, to, to regardless of all those things, is to reach people whether they look like it or not. They need God or not. It's not up to us to decide that. God can only, is only the one who knows the heart. Not us. God is calling us to go for a greater sacrifice in our lives. 
And I'm talking about not just today in the coffee lounge. I'm talking about tomorrow, wherever you go. Look out for the opportunities where you can bring the love of God. You can cross the road to someone else. Hebrews 13 verse 1 to 3 says this. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I mean, what an amazing scripture. Have you ever thought that you might have entertained an angel? That's what the Bible says. That when we do good and we love others, when we show this love, the Bible tells us that you might actually, at some point in your life, entertain an angel. You'll all be on your best behavior now, won't you? But you know what? When I read that, something struck me. Because the sad reality is this. If we knew we were doing good to people and we, were, we knew someone was an angel, how much more would we love that person? The truth is, I find it interesting that this says we'll be unaware that we're doing it. In other words, I think if we knew that an angel was here today, I believe everyone would be flocking downstairs to pamper after their needs. Would you like a coffee? How many shots would you like? How much? And they would be around this angel. But the truth is, when we don't know, how will we act? It's like the mystery shopper, isn't it? The mystery angel. But the truth is this, how much more will we do for an angel than we do for a person? We're called to people. We're not called to save angels. We're called to people. So we need to remember that. Remember our hearts towards people as well. God has called us to love and reach strangers to the church. The people who need him. You know, I want to encourage you that whatever you do when you go and do this, and this is stepping out for Jesus, by the way. This is going out now, and you looking for opportunities tomorrow to step out wherever you go. And I try to do that as much as I can. Some, I'm not always doing it, but some, I'll try and find opportunities. And uh, about a year ago, I went, some of you have heard this story, I went into Tesco's uh, on Newmarket Road, and I got to the till, the checkout. And as I got there, I, before I got to the checkout, I was on the, the cheese and the milk aisle, and I asked God to show me Someone on the checkouts he wanted me to go to. I said, it's about 10 o'clock at night. I've been at a meeting. And I said, God, I want to be used now. Who do you want me to speak to? And as I went down, I felt God lead me to go to one young man on the checkout. As I walked up in the queue, I felt God speak to me and say, he's got a problem in his stomach. When you go, I want you to pray for him for his stomach. So I get to the till. There's a crowd behind me. I'm now stood at the till. I asked God to help me. I said, God, distract the crowd behind me. So... And he did, because I was amazed that this whole crowd never said one word. I mean, you know what it's like when you see someone in front of you having a little chat about the weather, and you're just trying to buy some milk. It's really frustrating. That's when the love and compassion needs to come in. And I'm stood there, and, and, and all these people just turned around. So I sat to minister. I said, listen to me. I said, I want to encourage you. I have just been uh, on, on aisle number 52, choosing my milk and cheese. And I felt God speak to me and tell me to come to you. Just to tell you that he loves you. That's all I said to start with. And the young boy looked at me and his eyes filled up. And he said to me, I can't believe this. I'm a backslidden Christian. My mum and dad go to church. I haven't been for many years. And he said, I can't believe what's happened. I said, listen, God, I feel God's just told me that you've got a problem in your stomach too when you eat. He said, I do. I said, I'm going to pray for you now. So I took his hand over the checkout and I prayed and ministered the healing power of God straight to his stomach. 
He feels the presence of God in him so strong, he wouldn't let go of my hand. Now, I was all the time, I'm thinking of the security cameras, watching, thinking, is he trying to hold one hand while he goes for the till? Honestly, I mean, this thing, you, you don't see this norm in Tesco's, do you? And so I'm holding his hand, and the guy wouldn't let go of my hand. He says, this is amazing. He goes, I, I just felt something go straight through my body. He says, this is amazing. I said, listen to me. God loves you so much. All I've done is just, I asked him to help me, to, to, to bring me to you. So I, I ministered to him. He told me how his life, things weren't good. And then he went, and I gave him a card. Simple as that. I just spoke to him and went. It was about seven or eight months later. Seven or eight months later, I get a phone call out of the blue, and it's from this guy, this, this young lad. And he says to me, he says, you may remember me. Well, I actually put his number in my phone at the time, so I knew. When, the moment he rang, I knew it was him. And I said to him, I said, what, what's wrong? He said, I'm in Addenbrooke's Hospital right now. He said, and I'm in difficulty. I've got problems with my knee, sporting injury. Uh, something's happened. He goes, things, depression has kicked in. I'm not doing well. But you were the first person I thought to call. I said, well, come and meet me. I said, can you get out of the hospital now? He says, I'm having an appointment. I said, come and see me. So I arranged, and I meet him that evening. Some of the guys will remember this. He comes down here, and, uh, and I meet him here. And I spent a couple of hours with him in the office, talked to him and give him the gospel, and sharing about Jesus. Then I prayed for his knee. His knee gets completely healed, and he's running up and down the street. Okay? He's so shocked, he phones his mum. He says, Mum, I'm at a church. She asked which one. She was a Catholic. She asked which one. She said, she wondered what was going on. She said, but the thing is, I'm healed. And she's like, well, that's amazing. So he comes back in. It just happened that night. And I don't know if Sam remembers this. But I'd asked Sam on the Tuesday night to share a word for 20, 25 minutes. And he shared a word. I didn't even know what Sam was really going to be speaking on much. But I brought this young lad upstairs. And Sam uh, preaches the gospel for 25 minutes. I mean, we, you, as, as many of you know, we don't necessarily preach the gospel on a Tuesday night. We have prayer meetings, but he preaches the gospel in a fantastic way. And it touches this young lad's heart. He comes up to him at the end and he says, the worship from start to finish, everything that's been said from, pro, from the prophetic words that you said, and he said everything from the healing. He says, I, I, I couldn't not say this is God. And he left. Now the thing is, he walked out and I never saw him again. Many of us want the story, the end of the story, that he gave his life to Christ, he's here today, and he's worshipping God. We all love those stories, but the truth is this, that you are not called to save anyone. You're called to sow seeds. Always remember that. We've sown hundreds of seeds in Malta. There's lots of things we didn't see, but we wanted to see. But your job's not to save people. Jesus does the saving, you do the speaking. You tell people the gospel. Faith comes by hearing the word, and it's going to draw them. And so I didn't hear anything from him. And it was only last Saturday, I think I shared this in Malta, that story. I shared the story last in the teaching series last week in, in Malta. So I shared this story. And do you know what? Since all week, I thought, do you know what? I've not seen that guy. And I was gutted because I thought, I've shared that story last week to teach people. And now this is over a, probably a year ago. And I've not heard from the guy now for a year. Lo and behold, yesterday, while I was preparing and putting things together, I get a text message from him. Do you want to hear it? And it says this. This is, honestly, I was thinking this week, I'm, I'm gutted because the story never ended up like that. But where is he? And then all of a sudden he texts me. God is good. All the time, God is good. He said this. Hey, Phil, how are you? Well, I'm good, mate. I've been waiting for you. I didn't let him know that. I just wanted to say, 
I'm heading off to East London University this Saturday and I wanted to thank you before I go. I just reflected on the past year realizing I was in one of my darkest moments. But it was good to know God had a plan for you to come and help me when I needed it. Anyways, I'm in a much better position and back into baseball, basketball and sports. Hope to see you again soon. Keep in contact and give everyone my regards, including Sam Collinson. Why do I share that? Do you know that story? Always reverse the stories back. Rewind them back. And it all ends up on the milk aisle. And I get this message of someone who's thanking for the gospel. You know, Sam's message he spoke that he prepared and put together that night is still working in the hearts of a young, heart of a young man. And I want to encourage you today that whatever you do, wherever you go, do not worry about whether it happens immediately or when it happens. But God has a plan. I am encouraging you. I was actually working on the point that I'm on now in this, this sermon when the text message came in. So I thought, right, that's it. I'm putting the text message into the sermon. Come on. Amen. Listen, don't judge brokenness by physical needs, as I said earlier. People, he said it was my darkest moment. And right there, choosing some milk, God reveals someone's darkest moment. Amen. That's what we need to do. We need to recognize the need. When we was in Malta, one night we'd, we'd go up to the end of the night and uh, we'd, we'd have a coffee. Yes, we did have a couple of breaks. And um, forgive me for that. And uh, good coffee, very good coffee. And um, we had a little song on, 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 on Malta Trip. What was it? Uh, a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. Just to keep us going. But we went up to this coffee bar and we'd go each night. And there were some people we'd speak to. And you'd, you'd have no, uh, nothing coming back from them straight away. And one of the, girl, one of the girls, she, and she said, she came up to me and got chatting. And I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for her outside before we went and got a seat. And I prayed for her and then I began to prophesy over her. And I began to speak some things about secrets in her heart and her life. And right there and then on the front of me, she said, and I said, you're going to feel the Holy Spirit now come upon you. And you're going to know his presence and see he's real. And so the Holy Spirit uh, is just touching her all over her body. She, says, she said to me this, she said, I feel like I'm going to fall down. If you ever want to know what the doctrine of people falling down in the Bible is, and you're saying, well, that's not in the Bible, it's when you can't stand up any longer. That's what it is. It's when you feel the presence of God so much that you can't stand up. You know, those who try to stand up sometimes are holding on. But she, was, she said this, she, she'd never been to church before. She said, I feel like I can't stand up. I said, well, fall down then. <laughs> No, I said, I said to look, God is touching you. And it's his presence. And all he does is, I just invite Jesus to show that he's real. That's what we do. We just invite Jesus to show that he's real. And she was touched by God. And I want to encourage you today that we are the light of the world. Amen. Yes. And the Bible says that we shouldn't hide that light underneath a bowl. Yeah. We shouldn't hide it. It's like some of us stick on the lampshade and it doesn't really fully get out into the room. If you take it off, it's fully there. It will light and brighten up every part of the room. And I was, I, I'm telling you, if you know me, I like coffee. I was so eager to get in. Behind her, I could see the guys ordering coffee. And I'm looking at them thinking, what do I want, coffee? And then I just looked, I thought, this person, and I realized. And do you know what? As I ministered to her and she broke, I broke with her. I cried with her. 
I couldn't speak barely looking at her. And it wasn't, in a sense, it wasn't me, but it was the Holy Spirit just touched me and made me realize this person needs Jesus. I want to encourage you. Do you know that girl? She's called Erica. She said that that night. I ministered. We ministered to some of her family. We then went in, had coffee, and we sat down. On the very last night before I left, I went in to pay for my coffee and met her boyfriend. And then I shared with him, prayed for him. He got healed. And then he said to me, how do we receive Jesus? I said, come with me. So I take him out. And me and Lewis, who sat here, we stood outside the restaurant. Some of the guys were across. This is the very last night. And we led them in the prayer of salvation. The boyfriend and the girlfriend together and prophesied over them. God spoke to them so much. And we got a great photograph of them. But isn't God good? He starts and then he touches lives. Amen. Number two today is this, that we need to act in response. We need to respond. You see, it says the Samaritan came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. You see, the Samaritan goes to him, but the religious ones go past. But he recognizes something that he needs to attend to this person. And we have the word of God. You see, some of us, we've got our Bibles I don't know how many different versions you've got. The best version you've got is the one you read. But listen to me. Get your Bible and understand that what you carry is the powerful word of God. That when people hear it, it will break chains. It will do something amazing. Amen. You have this word. It's not that we are without tools. The word of God is the thing that does it. Not our wise words, but the word of God. And I believe that when we go to people, we've got all the tools we need to care for them right where they're at. That's why some people said, do you need the spiritual gifts these days? I mean, I met a Jehovah's Witness on the way in. He used to give me my key when we went into the hotel room on a night. And this Jehovah's Witness said to me, he said, he says, all gifts, spiritual gifts have ended. All you need is love. I thought he was going to break out into song. He said, all you need is love. I said, look. I said, we've just been and seen people get healed and give their lives to Jesus Christ. Because they saw miracles and healing. God is still working and Jesus is here. And he came at me with all sorts of things and I just wanted my room key. (laughs) I did. He was preaching at me. I said, look, Jesus is real and he's still doing things. Because if you look at those scriptures and find the verses where he finished off with all uh, that loves the most important, you'll find that it's asked us to eagerly seek gifts still. It still tells us to eagerly seek the gifts. Always remember that when someone challenges you in that area. You see, Jesus became the word and he dwelt among us, didn't he? The flesh dwelt among us. And we have the word of God. We've got to get amongst people. He dwelt amongst people. We've got to get amongst the people. And then the word comes alive. Matthew 10 verse 7 to 8 says this. As you go, as you go, not if you'll think about going. As you Go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Some of us are freely received and we've put it into a safe and we're going to leave it there to the day that Jesus comes back. Nice and secure and safe. We're not going to bring these gifts out. Oh, no, we don't want to risk anything. 
But listen to me, freely you've received, freely give. It's flowing. And if listen, if you put a stop on it and a cap on it, then it's, gonna, it's, it's just going to diminish. Listen, it's always there because Paul charges Timothy to fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit. So some of you today need to start fanning into flame what's already there. Get it out of the safe and start fanning it again. Don't let these gifts lie dormant because Jesus needs to use them. Some of us read these things and we read about raising the dead. And do you know, the more I read these sometimes, I don't think, oh, this is just beyond me. I just think, God, when are you going to do it? <laughs> Come on. Let's see it. Come on. Let's believe for it. I mean, listen, if he can create a human being, Psalm 139 says he knows us, he designs us. How much more can he breathe life back into one that's dead? I mean, it's not that hard, is it? He is the author of life. He is the creator. And some of us, we get this, we break things up and we say, I'm not sure I believe that that could really happen. I know in certain parts of the world, they've got a lot more faith than me. No, listen to me, mustard seed faith is all you need. It's all you need. Those that go will see. The book of Acts is because people acted. They didn't sit there doing nothing. They acted and then they saw and then they said, this is amazing, so let's act again. Then they keep acting then they see bigger things. And listen, it's like a big tsunami, I believe. Once you get right in this, you can't stop it. But some of us, we're just like, oh no, I'm just going to dip my toe in the water. Listen to me. If you start doing this, you will see it will get bigger than you. You know, some of the things we see, they're so much bigger than me. I, I'm just like, feel this big. This so much bigger. But it's because we keep pushing, pushing the boundaries. Freely you received, freely give. I say here that many who by faith have freely received supernatural gifts often hide them by fear at the expense of lives in need. Many who by faith have freely received supernatural gifts often hide them by fear at the expense of lives in need. I want to encourage you today. You've got gifts and some of us are not using them. Including myself. I'm not fanning into flame enough. Let's start fanning this. Let's start fanning a little bit more than we are. Amen. The Samaritan then bandages his wounds. He, he goes over and he puts these bandages on. I want you to just see this for a minute because... I believe that God has called us all to pray for the sick. We have a ministry in attending people who are sick. If you see people who need healing, then pray for them. He attends them. He puts bandages on this, on this, on this man. And we've got to attend people because we have the power of God to heal. It works through us. Yeah, we do have bandages. We thank God for doctors. We thank God for all these things. But still, we've been given the ability for supernatural healing. Some of us need to stir up this stuff and begin to pray for the sick. You know, one, we've been praying all the way through and we'd have lots of prayers. And I want to encourage you, by the way, that those who prayed with us on the Tuesday nights leading up to Malta, some of the things that were said in those meetings, we saw. <laughs> we saw them. I'm happy about it, by the way. I'm, I'm happy because we saw them. People prayed. Intercessors prayed. People have told me today, I've been praying while you've been there. 
One night, someone, I don't know, I think it was Mandy said to me on the Tuesday night before we left, she said, remind me, I may have got this slightly wrong, but she said to me, listen, there's going to be chains, uh, like balls and chains on people, and God's going to break chains, is that right? And I think somebody said something about pavements as well. I think it was you, Ruth. I just want to encourage you. One night, we fin- we'd finished ministering on the streets, and we got, it was about three in the morning. And we're walking up to get a bottle of, uh, a drink, a bottle of water from this little takeaway shop. And as we walked up, and we're walking up the street, all of a sudden, a guy runs out onto the pavement. And he says to me, he says, will you come in and have a drink? I thought, well, that's not the kind of thing we're here for. And this place was like an outdoor front of a, like a nightclub type thing you could see. It was like a, not a nightclub, but um, a bar. And he stood there and the, all, all the guys said, no, we're, we're off now, we've been on the streets. And this guy who came out was actually someone we'd met several days before and we'd not had much breakthrough with. All we'd done is just befriend them. And uh, he'd come out and he said, will you come in? And he said, well, we've got to get off. The next minute, while he's speaking, another guy runs behind him and he says to us, he says, will you please come in? He said, someone is, is, is sick, he's got a bad back. Will you come in and pray for him? We said, of course, come on, let's go. <laughs> So we went in, and we walked into this bar. The music's pounding, and everyone stood around the bar. And so we went up, and we just said, who's got the problem? And so they bring this guy over to us. And we pray, and God touches him and heals him there and then. All the pain leaves his back. And right there in this bar, we see God touch someone. Listen to me. We're not seeking to go in bars, but if we're called into a place, we'll go. I don't care what anyone thinks. When the power of God's there. Doesn't matter. You see, what we did is share the, share the gospel with a few of them. Then one of the young the guys who come onto the pavement and called us in, one of these young guys, he was the one who called us in. All down his arm, he had tattoos of broken chains. And he come onto the pavement and called us in. And we said to him, he says, we've had people praying, you know, for divine appointments back home. In fact, we had a word that said God will break chains. Do you know that he can break chains? You've got them all over your arm. He breaks chains. Do you know that? And he looked at us and he says, how does he? And he asked the question. You see, God is good, isn't he? he? He knew about Malta before we even got there. And that guy got healed. The next day, every time we saw them, he came up chatting to us. He opened up conversations and relationships. We prayed for the sick. We have a job to do. Sometimes you might have to cross the road and go in and your reputation to go in that bar. I mean, one of the guys took a picture and they sent it back to, to England. They put it on WhatsApp and it was the pastor, me, in the bar... I said, this is not going to look good. You know you need the context around it. (laughs) You need the context, but listen to me. I don't care if I have to go in there. If someone calls me in, and when God began to touch him, we began to speak to lots of them all around this bar. And then once we're done, we left. We said, well, we're around here tomorrow. Come and see us. We're going to be over there again. And we left and went to bed. God's good. We have the ability to pray for the sick. Next he says this, that he poured on the wine. I believe that the blood of Jesus, the gospel, is a disinfectant to clean people up. He poured on the wine. If you're saying, well, I haven't got any wine, yes, you have. You've got the message of the gospel that cleans people up because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. It's a disinfectant. It gets rid of the bad stuff. It cleans it out. When you preach the gospel, something happens. Something 
powerful happens. The next thing, he pours on the oil. We got the oil of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. You may not have some practical oil, but you've got the oil of the Holy Spirit. And when I prayed for the girl, young Erica, I saw the Holy Spirit touch her. We've got all these things, and some of us need to cross the road and forget about the reputation. Forget about the things, the materials that are attracting us elsewhere. Forget about businesses and things that we're trying to worry about tomorrow. He says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. I'm seeking first his kingdom. You see, one night, what I loved on this trip, and it was the pivotal moment for me, is on the final night, we'd been praying all week, we'd said we'd love to see baptisms in the sea, but, you know, I mean, what a place to baptize people. And we got towards the third and final night, and we were out there, we'd come out of the coffee bar, it's just after I'd seen the young couple give their lives to Jesus on the doorstep. I walk across from there, this is around about half midnight, Half past midnight, I walk across, meeting some of the guys in the square. And as I walked into the square, we were with a whole group of young people. Within seconds, I've gone from leading someone to Christ. Then one of the guys says, will you pray for this girl? She, she wants you to pray. So I pray and I prophesy over this girl. And God speaks to her. So much so that she's touched and God's touching her. That two guys come and grab me and say, will you come here a sec? So they call me aside, two young lads. These two young boys called me aside and they said, listen, we've just watched you and we're seeing that you're sharing things about their, their future and things about them, in, things that you wouldn't know. Will you pray for him because he's had a, a terrible eight years and will you see what you know about his future? I said, look, I'm not a fortune teller. I said, I'm not a fortune teller. I said, and God is not to be tested. We don't call upon him like that. I said, but listen, I'll pray for you and see what God, how God wants to bless you, not what I know about you. I said, we, we can do that. How's that sound? And then as I spoke to him, he said, well, that sounds good. And then all of a sudden, I just noticed on his right knee a bandage all wrapped around his knee. And I said, in fact, you've got a problem with your knee. What's the problem? And so then he said to me, he said, I've had a, he said, this is really bad injury. He says, I've had a, an operation on it because I damaged all the ligaments. I could barely run on it and do anything on it. I'm a footballer. He said, and what happened is I, I had this operation. They told me not to use it or play on it for nine months. He says, but two months after, I went and risked it and played. He says, and I've damaged it. He says, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play again. And he said, uh, it's really bad. He said, if I put pressure on it, it hurts. I said, well, you said to me a minute ago, that you want to see whether God is real. I says, I'll show you he's real because he'll heal you. Come with me and we'll pray for you. And so instead of going for the thing that they asked for, I thought I'm going to just see what God's going to do here. Anyway, I took him across. And before this, by the way, we'd been sharing a bit of the gospel. They'd asked a few questions about Jesus and we'd share the gospel with him. One of the guys stood there and he said, I believe in science. And he said, I believe in science, not God. And I said, well, when you see what you're about to see, you'll, you'll see that... He demonstrates in power, not just words. And so I took the young lad across and I had Lewis. Uh, no, Lewis was with someone else. One of the guys, I think Rob was with me. And I checked this guy's leg. And many of you know we've seen lots of legs, limbs grow and things like that as we prayed for people. And this, this, this young lad, I prayed for him and his leg literally just grew out and readjusted right in front of our eyes. So much so that the friend who said he believed in science, he was so shocked 
so shocked. He stepped back. Then I said to him, I said, look, his leg's grown out. I said, his other one needs to meet it and realign. I said, I said to show you, it's nothing to do with me. You grab his legs and watch what happens. So the young guy grabs his friend's leg. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority of this leg and I command grow now. In his, in his arms, he sees it come out. So much so he stands up in shock and amazement. Then I said, when you stand up and you run as fast as you can, you'll feel nothing. He gets up and he runs around. Now this is a guy who's got a bandage on. He runs around, but I see that he's not fully giving it everything on his running. So I said, you didn't give it everything. Do it again. He starts doing it again, jumping up and down on it. He's so shocked, they then asked more. They said, we believe. Then I led them to Christ, talked to them about Jesus. I said, do you want to give your life to Christ? And me and Rob stood there and led these two young lads to Christ. While this was going on, their two friends were with two independent conversations going off in the same square. All four gave their lives to Jesus. All four. But actually what was happening is there was healings taking place. And uh, Lewis came over to me and he's (laughs) overwhelmed and he shares his story. And I let him share in just a little bit what, what happened there. But I want to tell you what happened next was just amazing. God touched them. And then the next day I said, do you want me to baptize you in the sea tomorrow? He said, what, bit of water on my head? I goes, no, full immersion in the water. He said, what, like John the Baptist? I said, yes. He said, Jesus was baptized like that, wasn't he? I goes, yes, come on down. The next day we changed all our plans and we, we came back. We, we, went to, we were supposed to be going on a trip in the morning to visit the cabins to come back. You're more important than any of our trips. So we went on the trip, ate it really quickly, came back to the buses, got on the buses, raced back to the way we were. Within 15 minutes I got changed and I met them. I said, right, we're all here. All the church came down. We all walked down to the beach. And these four boys all got fully baptized. All give their testimonies. Come on. And then after that, I get to the end of the baptisms, the four lads, and then next, the, girlf- the girlfriend of the, uh, of the one whose knee had got healed comes forward and says to me, can I get baptized? I want to give my life to Jesus. She comes into the water. I wasn't ready for it, and she comes in, and I got one of the girls and says, help me. And so one of the girls helped us, and we baptized her. And when we baptized her, I said to her before, I said, what is it that you, why do you want to get baptized? She said, because I want what they've got. I want the joy that they've got. That's God. The power of God. You know what happened? I saw them the next day. The first thing I said to them all, I said, look, you're here. You've come to get baptized. Tell me, how have you been in the last 12 hours or so? They said, it has been unbelievable. They said, last night, they said, all day today at work. He says, I normally, one of them says, I normally swear 30 to 40 times in a day. He said, and I, he says, and I've sworn twice and I feel convicted. (laughs) God was touching him the next boy says to me it's unbelievable he said when we walked away from you last night and walked away from you after what happened he said and we felt something inside happening he says I went to swear and my tongue went back on itself and I couldn't speak the word (laughs) he said and another word came out I thought well it's the start of tongues maybe The next day, he was so shocked. 
And we're in connection with these guys now. And I'll share a little bit more about that. But how many of you know that we have something to give? And God is touching lives. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Finally, number three, we've got to accept the cost. There is a cost in this. If you're going to do it, there's a cost involved. You see, the Samaritan put the man on his own donkey. He didn't just have the compassion and love, but he says he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And then he said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. You see, he uses his own possession, his, his donkey. He uses this to help the person. Then he uses his, his money, his possessions. But then we see that any extra money after this event, he still continues to pay. And some of us sometimes are going to have to, there's going to be costs involved for you to reach others. It's going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you things in your life. But I want to encourage you, the things I've seen in the last five days, I wouldn't trade them for anything. Because when God is at work, you start to see that things in the world are so, so small and so dim. You start to see that. And I want to encourage you, the more you work with God, you'll see that things are small. And it's going to cost you. Some of us are holding on to our denarii. We're holding on to our donkey. No, we don't want to share with things. We don't want to give. We don't want to do these things. But listen to me. Jesus wants to use everything you are and everything you have. Everything you are and everything you have. You see, the cost for us is this. The moment we finish with these guys and they got saved, now we're in contact with them. They're saying to me over emails, we want to learn more. We want to do what you're doing. That's called discipleship. It's not called just go to a church and just sing some worship songs. That is now, they're saying they want to do more. In fact, yesterday I've heard a story that they've been praying already for one of the group members and they got healed. This already happening. So next week, do you know what we're going to do? This church is going to send five good quality study Bibles to all five converts to the house. We're going to send them a Bible so they can understand the Word of God. Because they've got these Catholic type Bibles. We said, listen, we're going to send you some good Bibles that you can study in. You can understand. And now we're going to teach them. In fact, some of the guys are already talking about getting a plane to get back out, spending the money to go and help them. Today, do you know where all those five are? They're planning to go to the church that we ministered in. They'll all be sat in the church this morning. That's what God does. And so there's a cost involved. You see, it costs us now to send these Bibles and to do what we're going to do. We want to send them some good quality ones to show them that we love them. But not only that, that it, there's a cost involved in our time and effort now. And now it needs people. Maybe some of us are going to be going back out there and encouraging that group. Encouraging them in their walk with God. Hallelujah. You see, remember, the robbers love possessions more than people. Let's keep our eyes off the materials. The priest and the Levite, they love positions more than people. Our eyes need to be off the ministry titles and get focused on the work at hand. The innkeeper, he loved his profit more than the people. Let's keep our eyes on making kingdom business, doing work for Jesus Christ. To truly serve God will cost you your resources, reputation, and riches. Do you know that? To truly serve God, 
is going to cost you your resources, reputation, and riches. But I'm up for it. I don't know about you. Acts 2, verse 43 to 44, it says this. In the devoted passages, when they talk about being devoted, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many sign, many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I believe that when we start moving in supernatural gifts, if we want to move in supernatural gifts, you've got to start being ready to move in to giving away natural gifts. Some people just want supernatural gifts and they're not prepared to, to give out of their natural wallet. To people I'm talking about. To help people, to bless people, to love people. And if you want to move in supernatural gifts, you'll see here that in Acts 2, in 43 to 44, we've just read in the devoted passage, passages that talks about them being devoted. In other words, it says that they, they love the signs and wonders, the miracles, but also they give to those in need. So you've got to be ready to give naturally as well as supernaturally. Billy Graham said this as I come to finish. Salvation is free, but salvation costs everything we have. Luke 9, verse 23 to 24, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.